0: hey dave quick one um frank and paris and i, I think thinking are playing some Fighters fantasy i've got the original game i've got dungeoneer which should we play with dude what do you reckon i'm kind of thinking starting with the original but hmm and the other question was what's the exact fit uh, fix for dungeoneer's skill system if you could with me know, I mean, i'd really appreciate it man cool thanks Shout out of the cold and listen how the story's told.
1: From fairy tales to happenstance, the dice rule every random chance. Take off your coat and stay a while, we're rolling that deep
2: percent time.
0: Hi everyone, I play that call from Che that I received a couple of days ago because it is timely, because as you'll hear this episode a little while ago I recorded a bit on a proposal for a design diary for fighting fantasy I am really pleased that my enthusiasm for fighting fantasy and then the worms has caught on across Anchor I'm really glad that it looks like Riddling Reaver, Dungeoneer, the introductory game are getting a bit of love from the Anchorites and I'm just going to keep that going a little bit Oh, I should say um, I responded to Che's exact queries elsewhere because the project I'm talking about is going in a slightly different direction than Fixing Dungeoneer. I've chatted about that a couple of times on the show before. But thanks very much for the call in, Che. I'm very happy to be the, uh, the go-to <laughs> fighting fantasy role-playing uh, guy. Uh, A little plug here, the Worms, as part of our extended coverage of Fighting Fantasy, are doing uh, an actual play uh, of, yeah, I'll I'll let it out, of the Riddling Reaver. We're going to do some bits of the Riddling Reaver, so you'll have that to look forward to in a couple of weeks. Right, I'll get on with it now. Alright, so here's a thought I've been having, let me know. If you think this might fly, I'm thinking of doing another design diary on the show. Talked a bit about sharing my house rules for Dungeoneer, but I'm increasingly thinking, now that we're pretty much done with fighting fantasy on the worm, uh, and we've talked a bit about uh, the, the confidence that uh, one might have to approach... Um, Fighting fantasy, given given the way that Troika seems to have got away with it. I'm not thinking about publishing anything necessarily because I am thinking very much about the fighting fantasy world and the fighting fantasy game books. But what I'm thinking of doing, as I say, is, a, is another design diary where I think about. A nice, light way of presenting some rules for Final Fantasy RPGs, which you could use if you just had one of the game books. So assuming as given the character creation rules as presented in the game books and the combat rules as presented in the game books, then a short supplement, maybe two pages, this is how you'd do it as an RPG. Um, And and thinking about gaming that would capture the spirit of um, the Titan set uh, game books. So I'm thinking that I would take inspiration from Dungeoneer, I'd take inspiration from Fighting Fantasy, the introductory role-playing game, but I wouldn't require those. Um, As I've said before, I quite like Fighting Fantasy, the introductory role-playing game, but the actual rules elements that you get in there are very, 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 very thin, and then there's quite a lot of interesting, um, unnecessary discussion. Definitely wouldn't um, be using any of the botley developments. So I'm thinking what what would it need? I mean pretty much if you've got the game books and you know, you know RPGs, you could run a you could run a game, you know, just using those those few pages of rules. But there's things I've mentioned before on the show. Um, more distinction between the characters, maybe variable damage, maybe a few combat tweaks. There's no rules for ranged combat for example, it assumes all melee combat maybe a magic system, I say maybe a magic system because you know some of those Titan set game books do have spell systems, obviously Sorcery had a spell system I wasn't massively taken with that um, but maybe the game book experience you know, isn't, isn't about being a wizard, maybe I don't need wizards um, I'm definitely thinking I'd be more inclined to take inspiration from the Riddling Reaver magic system where spe- spells are a little bit more like equipment than from the Dungeoneer system, I definitely wouldn't want spells Costing stamina to cast, but uh, but I'll talk about these things as I go. I'll talk about it in stages. So I'm thinking, inspired more by Fighting Fantasy, the introductory role-playing game, than by Dungeoneer. Although I, I I very much admire Dungeoneer as an introductory book, but keeping things as light as possible, the big development I'm thinking for character distinction is to is to just have three skill stats. Um, I've mentioned that before. So maybe a thief skill. Uh, A fighter skill and a scholar skill, although how far I go with the scholar skill depends maybe how far I decide to go with a magic system. So if you're interested in hearing my thoughts on that, maybe contributing to that emerging project... Um, wouldn't be planned for publication because, as I say, I'm very, I'm very much about saying, look, if you like these game books, if you like this world, what kind of tweaks would you need to do to the rules as presented in the game books, minimally, to get it running as a, as a as a decent rpg this is something i'm thinking um, i'll play with the kids i'll play with the kids i'll try and run sessions that really capture the flavor of those game books as a as a group i you know i've said before i think it it actually takes some beating as a well <laughs> as a tried and tested rules light system so let me know what you think about that project if people are interested the first one i'll probably talk about those 3 uh, whatever I decide for those three skills. So pre- you, you're still creating characters exactly as written. Um, but you've got three randomly generated skills instead of one with uh, with reasonably broad penumbra for each. Um, but that actually makes no difference at all um, to to the way the game is played in the game books it's just you'd roll on one skill you'd use one skill for your attack strength in combat you'd use one for a lot of your dungeon exploration tasks and you'd use another one for deciphering arcane clues maybe casting spells depending on what I decide there looking forward to hearing what people think about that possible project
2: Hey, David Shorts of Gothridge Manor I was listening to your Lazy GM or Dungeon Master episode, and I have that on PDF, and I haven't, haven't read it yet, so how lazy is that? I think that qualifies as lazy, I think. And I've heard some of the different aspects of it in the Things that's Life Flourish uh, kind of does to kind of build a foundation around your campaign kind of interesting here to to read about that and see how it works because one of the things i have a difficult time with a campaign is just keeping things straight and recorded and and uh so that way easy to find for reference um, it's always a battle for me and um, i always try different ways of uh doing it but haven't found anything to be successful yet so maybe i need to break that book open all right thanks dave we'll talk to you soon bud
0: hey tim thanks for calling in great to hear from you it's been a while i'm glad you're listening great to get the call yes that does qualify as about as lazy as you can get too lazy to read sly flourishes little book (laughs) on organizing notes yeah i am I am not the one to help anybody here, I do my, my systems are just a mess of, you know at one point I'm like oh, I'll do it all on little index cards and so I've got this pile of screwed up little index cards that I haven't organised properly, bits of paper, binders, whole bunch of different pads on the go, um, yeah and i shared some photos of my layout but what you don't see in my prep is, is is underneath that coffee table. I've got things on. It's just piles and piles of books with half finished pages of notes. I think what I'm arriving at with the black hack is uh, I've picked a nice quality graph paper book. It's one of those ones. It's maybe the width of A4, maybe a little bit wider, but slightly sh- slightly shorter. Not as not as tall as an A4 book. And I'm going to say. Planning for any session is a double page spread in there. It's graph paper, so if I do need to sketch a little map, I can embed the map into the notes without any problem. Graph paper also helps vaguely to keep my hurried handwriting sort of on the level. Um, But the problem with that was, as you might have seen if you saw any of the photos that I shared, um, I didn't have it with me when inspiration struck. So actually my planning for last week, was done on a pad of A4, cheap pad of A4 graph paper that I bought in cost cutter because I was away somewhere when I wanted to do the planning. Now I've got to work out what I'm gonna do with that. <clears throat> but I think, you know, so now I have, I'm, I'm at work now and the book is in my bag and it's not gonna leave my side as I travel around so that if inspiration strikes I can just jot things in there. Um, and I'm trying not to be precious about the, too precious about the presentation of things because one of the things I used to do is, is I'd have my planning and I was quite pleased with my planning and then I wouldn't want to write my notes onto my planning um, and now I've just accepted that this is an organic thing, it's tied to this particular game and so I've left space when when i write down a list of names so that in the session if i'm being really organized and disciplined i can then write down the npc that i've attached that name to because that's the thing i forget you know i come up with the npc name on the fly because i got a list that's all good and then next session i can't remember what the npc was called because i can't remember who i attached the names to um, so i'm getting better but i'm no one to talk on there but uh, but that's what I'm going for One book Because then you can just cross, Cross-reference cross previous notes It will get messy Over time And I've, I've found I mean what am I I'm only three sessions in With this, this game Planning the fourth one Fourth one's this Wednesday uh, And I'm realising that a good part of planning is flicking back over the previous week, few weeks' notes and then reproducing anything, which is really important. So rewriting down, actually rewrite onto this week's planning the names of any key NPCs or locations or anything like that. And that still all fits in my trying to do it within one hour, or an hour and a half, the length of time it takes to watch a Conan movie. shouldn't take any more than that to plan for a three-hour session. And then fitting it all on a double-page spread, because again, any more than that, I can't even reasonably... I can't even reasonably navigate my notes in the session. Um, but I'll let you know how it goes. I've got no great expertise there. Cheers again for the call-in, Tim.
3: Hey, Dave, Jason here, Nerds RPG Varietycast. Just wondering which of Spike Pitts episodes you're going to remake next. Um, I am actually just pulling your leg. You know, I'm going through his old catalogue and some other old catalogues, and I'm finding a lot of the topics I talk about have already been done by other people as well, which shouldn't be a surprise. You know, we've all talked about the circular nature of these things where we keep talking about the same topics over and over. But, yeah, I I just wanted to give you a jab there. But I'm doing the same thing. I'm redoing episodes, other people's topics, and not knowing it. So, anyway, I think you also put something else to bed. There's no reason to modify 5e to be an OSR game. If you want to play 5e, play 5e if you don't play an OSR game, play an OSR game. Why try to change it to something it's not? There's so many games out there. Just play the game designed to work that way. My two pence. I should clarify that there's a difference between repurposing a game, like taking 5e saying, I don't like this, 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 and I'm going to make it into first edition or whatever we're trying to do. And doing DIY hack as Barney talks about over in the local Ludus podcast I think you can do hacks without being an issue but I think when you try to convert something into something totally different like the feel of it and everything else like making, you know, taking Pathfinder 2 and making it an old school game or something just play the old school game at that point I, I just don't see the need for that now, if you want to take a sword and sorcery game, make it Captain Kronos. I'm all for that. So, maybe I'm a hypocrite. I don't know. Help me with that, Dave. Help me decide. Am I a hypocrite?
0: All right, Jason. Yeah, I can take a little bit of friendly needling. <laughs> I'll tolerate that. Yeah. So about O.S.R.ing five E. Yeah. So I don't. Feel, I don't feel massively strongly about this. I do kind of think you know. 5E is a big huge edifice seems like way more hassle to strip it down than to just start with something really basic and build it up as much as you want but that said i mean when i was when i was mucking around with OSR systems before i really um before i really knew about the OSR and i must admit before my playgroup were really <laughs> really interested in me doing it i was working from fifth edition and there are some things there which um, which i i am quite attached to you know it's, it's about deciding what is quintessentially fifth edition i think the bits i i would take from it are so basic that it probably doesn't make much sense to call them fifth edition elements but certainly advantage and disadvantage you know the black hack uses that lots of the other in the OSR games, do use that, and I'm, you know, maybe Fifth Edition wasn't responsible for that innovation, but it's certainly the first time I saw it, um, and I think that has been a really good contribution to to the indie OSR games, certainly. So, yeah that that is one distinctive element I think of Fifth Edition that you that you could say benefits uh, benefits those newer OSR games. You, you could probably add it into your into your more faithful old school rule set without much without much trouble. The other thing I really liked that I was using in my various little hacks was the you know that bounded proficiency level. Uh, I think that is a real contrast to what was happening in third edition. Um, I listen to Joe's Will or Woe. <laughs> it makes me laugh when they do skill checks because oh, they're quite high level now. So they'll roll 17. You think that's good, but it will be 17. Then they'll say plus 19. <laughs> 36 and you just think you must you know the the difficulties of things there must be a big huge table going up through all the levels and i really i really liked fifth edition with that bounded proficiency how far does it go it starts at plus two starts at nothing plus two goes up to plus eight plus six i can't remember but you know that's that's as high as the bonuses are going to be um very little that the proficiency bonus stacks with and then you've got advantage um which I really liked, which gave you an ad- which gave you an advantage, without ever increasing those those modifiers and those difficulty classes. So I thought that was really nifty, and I was using that a lot. At one point, in the, I'm pretty sure in the planning, in the blogs, in the discussion of D&D Next, they were going to be. Um, they were going to be dice of an increasing size. You mentioned something similar in your show quite recently, but they were going to be dice of increasing size, you know, plus, four, plus D4, plus D6, plus D8, and so on. And I really liked that, and I was pretty sad that they didn't include that. Um, and I'd like to muck around with a, with a light game that has that. Actually, Baz used it, 13th Age doesn't do it, but Baz used it for skills in his King of Dungeons game. Um, and I really liked, I thought that was a really good, um, good touch so um, yeah, so, but, but, I mean, if you took those advantage um you know relatively bounded skill level, still not enough really to call it fifth edition, then there's a whole bunch of other stuff, really, just huge, laborious spell descriptions, huge monster stat blocks, which I wouldn't want to go near, so i don't know, yeah, I don't know whether it would make sense just calling those innovations 5th edition I mean you, ha- you, you, you pull and hack from all sorts of games don't you you, you, know, you could probably list 5th edition as an influence on account of using advantage and, and maybe bounded proficiency um, but yeah it doesn't make much sense to me to hack 5th edition mechanically into an OSR game so there you go Jason and if you yeah to actually answer your question if you need moral Absolution from me, I hereby give it. Your sins are forgiven. You're not a hypocrite. Have a nice day. Have we got time for a little bit more, Jason? I think we have.
1: Hey, Dave, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Your unboxing didn't sound that bad. I mean, that was probably the best of it, but really, I think we think our audio sounds worse than it really does. As far as dice mechanics, I agree that different mechanics where you do one roll and get different results are very interesting. And, you know, that's one thing like the ore mechanic, the the one roll engine that's used in, well, there's a free game Nemesis. And then there are a bunch of other games that's used in. I, I think that's an interesting system. Uh, Jeff's talked about that a couple times on the, um, I believe, on his podcast on the Tomb of All Dooms. Yeah, I, I find that interesting as well. I don't know that anybody's really nailed it yet where you can make one roll and get everything and that it really works well. I know some different systems have tried it. Um, and, and I'm also interested in those mechanics. That that would be an interesting thought experiment to come up with a single roll that does everything. And I don't... You know, I, I think it's okay to roll multiple dice at the same time, Right. So in, in a lot of, use, this is more of a board game or war game mechanic, but if you're rolling an attack, and then your enemy's going to roll defense, and then if you get through, you're going to roll damage, and you roll a different color die for each of those, you could do that as one die roll, right? So that's obviously an easy way to do it, you know, so in D&D, you'd roll your D20 plus your D8 for, so the d is to hit, and the d eight is your longsword damage, and you just ignore the D8 if you don't hit that's the simple way to do one roll for everything but what you're talking about using dice or fancy dice to interpolate the result is something more advanced than that and i think that would be an interesting podcast
0: topic thanks for this jason yeah i haven't seen one roll engine i should get around to having a look at it um but definitely yeah definitely there's this there's, there's room for something good to be done there isn't it we we like rolling handfuls of dice um, and i personally like to have lots of rich interpretive possibilities as a, as a as a gm that i've then got to do something with on the spot i really enjoy that um, and i really like using the dice to to tell the story so yeah i'll have a look at one roll engine i'm sure we'll talk about this again cheers for the calling
1: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact Dave, please leave a message on Anchor, email dpercentile at gmail.com, or find him on Twitter at d underscore percentile.